Welcome back to Max Volume, uh, podcast number 27. Can't believe I'm almost at 30. After that, I'll almost be at 40 and 50 and so on and so forth until I have, I'll be excited to do like podcast 9,857. We'll get there. We'll get there together. I will hold your hand while we're doing it, but we are going to get there. So another chill, do nothing kind of Sunday. Woke up at 2, 3 p.m. And... (laughs) You know, saying that out loud every time, I, I get a little embarrassed. I'm like, man, that, that is late. But I can't tell if these late night walks that I'm doing are helping or hurting my sleep schedule. Around like midnight or one o'clock in the morning, I'll just take the dogs on an hour saunter. And it's just fun. It's just, I'm still going to do them regardless if they're helping or hurting. But it's just peaceful. The entire town is just mine. It's like you can fart as loud as you want. No one cares. It's like a bar that you're the only patron. You can just do what you want. Plus, there's a lot of skunks out there at night. And I know that might sound like a detriment, but I don't know. Have have you guys hung out with like a bunch of skunks? Skunks are pretty cool. Like, they'll see me across the road. They'll look at me and the dogs. The dogs won't bark. It'll kind of just like, the skunk will just give us a nod and then just kind of waddle off in another direction. He He or she doesn't get scared. They don't freak out. They don't get defensive. They're just like, oh, there's someone I shouldn't be near because, you know, the dogs will freak out and I'll spray them and it'll be, it'll be annoying for everybody. We don't want that. So I'm just going to waddle over in this direction. So kind of want a skunk now. Can you domesticate a skunk? Like I, I, I'd like one. I know they got some claws. I know you'd probably have to do something about the stink gland, but I'm sure you can probably get that removed. I'm not sure if that's cruel or inhumane, but I want a skunk and one day it's going to happen. I mean, there's one guy on my, uh, on my route, who has a giant tortoise in his backyard. So you can get some weird stuff. I think, and you could play a skunk off, be like, no, that's just my really, really fluffy cat. So I think, I think I can do it. What would I name him? I'd name him like Chanel or something like, something perfumey or like Tom Ford. And, you know, it'd be a joke about that. So one day, but not today. (laughs) And I mean, after I got done with the walk, I watched the season premiere three premiere of dark, which is this German sad time travel show about like determinant determinism. And like, it's in the past, it's in the future. Everything happens for a reason. Nothing's really in your control. You're kind of like your decisions are already preordained. It's very complicated. And there's like younger and older versions of yourself all interacting, some dying, some like you're your own aunt or someone you fell in love with is actually your great uncle from another timeline it it hurts your brain like I try to watch a recap of the first two seasons and it was 15 minutes long and I was more confused by the end of it than when I started so I mean it kind of made me wonder why do we like being confused sometimes like why are confusing tv shows and movies just kind of intriguing and like the ones I thought of were for movies it was eyes wide shut which was Kubrick's kind of underground sex club a New York City movie with Tom Cruise. And I still don't really fully understand what was going on in that one. There's people following Tom Cruise around. They keep playing like one note on the piano, like bing, 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 in like the middle of the night in New York City. It's terrifying. Donnie Darko, there's rabbits and time travel and airplanes falling out of the sky and Jake Gyllenhaal looking all emo. So I don't I don't know. I still don't know what's going on in that one. Tree of Life was... Uh, a Terrence Malick movie about like the 1950s Americana mixed in with the dinosaurs 
being exploded off the earth by a meteor meteor no joke it was 50 percent each i mean my mom usually like artsy fartsy movies and we walked out of that theater like what what was that so but i mean it's still intriguing like i mean sometimes it works too like inception was confusing as all get up and you know time i mean into someone's brain planning planning ideas dreams within a dream blah 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 though my dad asked a smart question when I went to see it with him. He's like, why didn't he just fly his kids to France and save us the trouble? Well, because there wouldn't be a movie otherwise, Dad. I mean, that would be a very boring movie. It's like Leonardo DiCaprio's kids go first class to France. The end. Or there's The Fountain, uh, which was a three-time, like a, a 15th century, a 20th century, and like a 25th century movie about love from Darren Aronofsky, who... I want to do this on another, another podcast. I'm not sure if he's good at directing or not. Because all his movies are just sad porn. They're just like, they take out the worst in humanity. They make you feel bad about yourself. Everything is ephemeral. Everyone's going to die. Is it just once in a while we want to feel bad about ourselves? So, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring that up and think about that. TV shows I thought that were confusing. Legion, which was a FX show that was... Uh, based on like a superhero who had multiple personalities and that show was just weird because it'd be like there'd be a beautiful woman in the middle of a desert with a 50 caliber assault rifle while 50 buddhist monks with baskets on their head are praying while there's 30 women robots with mustaches doing computations and talking in weird robot voices around them like that was like a normal scene in legion just didn't make any sense Leftovers, you know, four two percent of the population gets taken for no reason. That was a frustrating show because I don't think they even ever even explain why. And it's like you just want to know why sometimes. And Twin Peaks, the weirdest show of all time. But like, what is the appeal? Like, why do I love these shows? I think sometimes you kind of want someone to be smarter than you in the room. And like these showrunners and directors are basically saying, "This is a world you don't understand. I'm going to take you on a trip." Hopefully you can keep up. It's almost like a challenge. It's like, oh, I bet you can't watch this and understand it. It's like you puff up and you're like, maybe I can understand it. You know, I'm a big boy. I understand this. I've seen shows before. And halfway through, you're scratching your head. And you forget that like even movies that aren't that complicated, like Mission Impossible, the first one. I don't I didn't understand that movie. I still don't really understand that movie. And that was just a general popcorn thriller. So sometimes, sometimes they just go over your head. And I think I think there's appeal, an appeal to that. It's like you want someone who's, it's like a magic trick. You want to be fooled. You want to be mystified. You don't want to know the trick. You just want to be entertained. But that's a full topic for another day where I'll deep dive into all that. So right now I kind of want to discuss the best political movie you never saw. And this is actually an easy, an easy to understand movie. And it's a feel good movie for the most part. It's 2000s political thriller, The Contender. And you know, I wasn't ever going to see this movie, I don't think. It just fell through the cracks. It's one of those movies where it's it's good political theater, but it's just, it doesn't have that sex appeal that kind of makes it a pop culture phenomenon. It's basically a more adult West Wing. It's kind of like a rated R uh, West Wing where all the people involved are hyper smart, that there's an elegance to the uh, politicalness of it all. You know, it's these very clean historical rooms and, you know, you're quoting uh, John Kennedy and talking about the nobility of, uh, of political life and, you know, being, in, being a public servant. And so the elevator, elevator pitch for the movie was 
there was a female senator, Lane Hansen, and she's a contender. Get it? Hence the movie, The Contender. Huh? I love, I love when the, the title explains it right away. So she's a contender for vice president, but she might not get uh, confirmed because some, co- some possible college ex- sexual exploits come to light. You're not sure if they are her or not. And many political operatives are out to ruin the Senator Hanson, ruin Senator Hansen's chances. And it's kind of, there's this undertow of sexist reasoning. You know, you don't want a woman with her finger on the button. And it was kind of interesting, you know, this 20 years ago. And I, the first thing I asked myself was, would a sexual scandal even be a big deal in 2020? And sadly, I think the point of the movie is that for a woman candidate, it still might be a large roadblock, even though it's clearly just a minor speed bump for most male candidates. You look at the president, you know, he's married three, four times. There's porn stars and infidelity and non-disclosure agreements and, you know, hasn't hurt him at all, apparently. So I think that's the point of the movie to illustrate the kind of double standard that's unfair to the Senator and to females in general who are in the public limelight. And so the senator's played by Joan Allen, who's perfect for the part. She kind of has that gravitas, but also there's some sex appeal to her. Like she's like in command of a room, but she has a sensitivity and a nervousness to her. And she's usually not my cup of tea. I, I'm not a Joan Allen fan because she always looks so worried. I kind of want to put my arm around her and be like, hey, everything's going to be okay. You don't need to worry so much. And she's kind of a stick in the mud. And that might be my image from her, from her the role I know her best from, which was Face Off as Sean Archer's sad, sad, sad sack wife. But that's my bias. I mean, that's not, that's not her fault. But this film is her, uh, her in front of uh, Congress, like 75% of the movie. She's just in front of, the, of a committee and she's being bombarded with unfair questions. So for her to be kind of concerned and kind of a little bit nervous, it's the right face, right mood, right seriousness for the character. Like she just, she carries herself like a senator defending herself against these, you know, unfounded accusations. And so they, they cast it right. I think maybe Diane Lane could have done it well too. I like Diane Lane. I mean, you want to see, I mean, you want to see someone act unfaithful. That is, that is a, I mean, that's another kind of movie. That's like a sexual uh, thr- psycho thriller with her and Richard Gere and this French dude who's like the most handsome man on the face of the earth. But I digress. Sorry. Once that movie gets in your brain, if you knew the movie Unfaithful, I guarantee when I said the words Unfaithful, you just went, that's, that's the kind of rea- the gut reaction you have for it. And also, uh, this movie has the second best on-screen president ever. It's uh, Jeff Bridges as President Jackson Evans. First of all, strong name, Jackson Evans. Love it. I mean, number one is Jed Bartlett from The West Wing, and I've discussed that before. He's just smartest, kindest, you know, most brilliant president. And then it's, then it's this guy, Jackson Evans. And third, I would say Dave from the movie Dave. But he's not really a good president. He just seems like a fun dude. I mean, he's, not, he's impersonating a president. So he doesn't really have the chops for it. So that's why I put him third. Initially, I put him second. I was like, no, 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 no. Like, you don't actually want him with his finger on the button. But so I tried to think about what makes a good president in a movie or a television show. And I think the best presidents are kind of outwardly folksy and down to earth. Uh, when they're meeting people and they're like, oh, shucks. And, you know, friends always smiling and always have something they can connect to with people. But when the cameras are off and they're kind of with their inner circle, they're more ruthless, intelligent sharks. And they're really fun to watch because it's like, 
you watch them take the mask off and you're like, oh man, this is a real political operative. And this is why, one, he won the presidency and two, why he gets things done. And Jeff Bridges in this movie is a secret smoker and it's always a great cornerstone for, uh, for TV presidents. Jed Bartlett smokes too. And I think in Dave, he smokes as well. But it's like, it's the secret smoking. It's kind of showing the pressures of the job and it gives a quick human side of the character. Like, oh, he's not perfect. So it's a good. And they gave him a nice little wrinkle too that uh, in this movie, uh, President Evans always orders like really strange food orders from the kitchen because he wants to stump the kitchen because you know it's like it's the best kitchen in the world and he's 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 out there to kind of he wants to see if there's anything he can do that would mystify them. So he's like he has stark shark steak sandwiches. Ooh, that's a hard one to say. Kung Pao chicken with walnuts. He's just I mean. If I did it, if I wanted to stump them, I'd be like, I'd like uni with an uni French toast caviar sandwich or something like that. Or maybe maybe something rare, like I'd like moose trachea with a side of grizzly bear heart stuffed with gold flake and, hmm, and pig hoofs or something like that. We want to eat it, but yeah, I mean, I think they could stump. I think I could do it, but apparently he can't. So that's always that's just a fun, nice little levity to the uh, to the movie. And sidebar, I wanted to ask: Is Jeff Bridges underrated? Because he's just he's just great in everything he does. And I think we think of him as just the dude from Big Lebowski, and he's really versatile. I mean, he's done. If you guys go way back, Tron, you know that action video game movie from the eighties, Arlington Road. Uh, another. This is Arlington Road is like the terrorist bomb thriller uh, version of this movie for political movies. It's like the unheard of early 2000s movie that really works and it never really got the love that uh, it should have. It's got Tim Robbins in it too. It's fantastic. Oh, there goes the dogs. They're excited about Arlington Road too. They, they liked it a lot. And an Iron Man, he's the villain. He's Obadiah, I think. He's, you know, uh, Tony Stark's kind of mentor. And you know, Jeff Bridges, bald with kind of a goatee. It's just a good look. Heller Highwater, he's a Texas Ranger, you know, tracking down two guys, Rob Banks. And he's just, I just have fun every time I watch him. True Grit, you know, classic uh, cowboy western done by the Coen brothers. And I just think we need to respect uh, Jeff Bridges a little bit more. Like, respect should be paid. He's just a good actor. And he's just, he seems fun. He seems like he plays versions of himself. I mean, I know they're kind of, all over the map with who they actually are, but it's he always just seems likable. Maybe that's just his face. He's got this kind of rubbery, rubbery smart face. He's got good hair too. It's like you go slick back and go long hair. Maybe I'm just liking his hair because I'm balding. I get more jealous of hair now. Not jealous, but like I kind of ooze about it more. I'm like, oh man, look at that hair. Look at that head of lettuce. So good hair. And the rest of the cast too is pretty all star. You know, I mean. As West Wing taught us, you kind of need the smart supporting cast so everyone can verbally bounce off each other. You got Gary Oldman doing his classic disappearing act into a role as he's the evil uh, Republican Senator Shelley Runyon. Terrible name, by the way. I mean, maybe they want you to be like, oh, Shelley Runyon, he got beat up in high school. <laughs> so, I mean, he looks like a guy who got beat up in high school. He's got this curly, balding head of hair, snarling, kind of blackened teeth, Coke bottle, glasses, and... He's the guy you love to hate. And, I mean, 
Gary Oldman, whatever role he's in, he does a fantastic job. So when you give him like a good role to sink his teeth into, he's just going to do it. I mean, my favorite for him is still probably in Leon the Professional when he's the corrupt DE agent who's addicted to some drug that we don't know, who's like super intense. I don't know if anyone's ever seen it, but when he says everyone like hopped up on drugs, that's my, that might be my favorite line of dialogue ever in anything. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, Sirius Black and Harry Potter, Zorp and Fifth, Zorp, I think? Yeah, Zorp and Fifth Element. He just, he dives into a role and you don't recognize who he is by the end of it. So to get him as the the main villain who's kind of vilifying uh, this senator on the committee hearing, that's that's who you want. Him or, uh, in the aviator, Alan Alda uh, did that with Leonardo DiCaprio. And he's he'd be my number two pick. I wonder, I should make a top five list of people you want you love to hate when they're on a committee doing kind of a Joe McCarthy uh, communism hunt. And you got Sam Elliott playing it straight as the chief of staff, which is weird. Usually he's kind of a badass, doesn't, doesn't give a heck, you know, kind of guy, but it's, it's weird to see him without a mustache. He's got like one of the all time, you know, face caterpillars, that nice silver thick mustache. And when he doesn't have it, his, his top lip, kind of curves over and he kind of almost looks bird-like he almost looks like an eagle or a turkey in the face and it's very jarring because it, it comes down like below his teeth and i don't like it so they should have slapped a mustache on him i would have taken him more seriously but i guess most political operatives think about it when's the last time someone in real political power had a great stash um president wise wow is it who would who would be the last president that had a good stash it's like the 20s and 30s it's like the the Tafts, the Theodore Roosevelt, the Grover Clevelands, and not since like the fifties. There's been no stash or no beard. What's what's up with that? We need a stash or a be- we need a great beard in the White House. So let's let's figure that out. Maybe Biden can grow a nice beard. I feel like he could look like Santa Claus. He went on like the Atkins diet. Like he'd have a nice nice beard, like a warm, welcoming, expressive beard. But I digress. So and you have uh, Christian Slater as a young undecided congressman who could lean either way. He's kind of playing both sides. And I love watching Christian Slater kind of uh, go toe to toe with all these great actors and actresses. I'm like, why wasn't Slater bigger? Like he was supposed to be the next Jack Nicholson. He has that look, the voice, uh, he's got the acting chops. And I never saw his 80s stuff. I know Heathers and Pump Up the Volume, but I love True Romance. Love Broken Arrow, which is like the most underrated 90s action movie ever. It's him and Travolta with nuclear weapons, military stealth bombers, and John Woo directing. I'll do a full one on that at some point. That's just, that's, the, I, I like a lot of forgotten movies. So that, that's my forgotten 90s action movie. I like taking these little birds with their wings broken and healing them and nursing them back to health and then throwing them into the air or the airwaves. And you get to hear about the movies that should have been big, but for some reason they weren't. And this is one of them. But at least, I mean, he got to play Mr. Robot on that TV show. And that was, I mean, he was fantastic in that. And that was kind of his uh, comeback, his, you know, Tarantino revival. Oh, man, Tarantino should bring him back in one of his movies, too. That would be great. Next movie, Tarantino. That's what you do. Slater should be your main guy. That, that's a good one. I'm calling it here. If I call, if, I, if that happens, it's because of me. Because Tarantino listened to this and decided he's going to put Slater in his next movie. So that'll be exciting. And I don't want to ruin the plot because it has lots of turns and twists and unsuspecting ways, but it really preaches like the nobility of public service. It makes you proud to be an American. 
And it kind of, it's telling you that sacrifice doesn't always foster positive results in the moment. Sometimes you're going to be remembered later for the trials and tribulations you went through, but for now you're just going to be run through the coals and being historic and changing the world involves deep hurt and suffering in the moment. And it's not going to, it's not guaranteed to pay off. And I don't know, it's, there's something that resonated about that to me. And I just, by the end of it, you get a little teary eyed. There's always, there's definitely a great American president speech at the end. And you know, that America, the American president, Oh, that's another uh, president who's great. But that's kind of the American president was Aaron Sorkin's idea for Jed Bartlett, but he put it in a movie and a, and a TV show. So same, same guy. But, uh, you know, good president speech really hit home or really good ending uh, trials or committee speeches always hit really well. I remember uh, Matthew McConaughey in A Time to Kill, you know, his ending speech. That was a good one. I should do, that's what I'll do. Like the best political or lawyer uh, closing arguments or speeches. I'll write that down. That'd be a good one. So, I mean, America's in a little disarray right now. So if you want to feel better about, you know, the red, white, and blue right now, I would watch this. I would watch Dave, watch West Wing, or watch Primary Colors. Like, feel good about being American because I promise you we'll get back to, you know, better times at some point in the next five to 10 years. <laughs> so in the meantime, throw one of these puppies on and uh, just believe in simpler times. So I'm going to go sit on my porch and just think about this movie for a little bit. Later. <laughs>